Hello, everybody. How are you? Welcome to this uh, session of Book Talk. We are here. We want to talk about the Apocalypse Game by author DC Smith. So we just want to understand what is the Apocalypse Game, what was the inspiration behind it, and why was DC Smith, uh, you know, pushed to write it, and what are the lessons that he learned along the way. Um, so that is what we're going to be discussing today. So we're just going to welcome DC Smith, and then he's going to walk us through some of those things that uh, we want to get to know today. Hello, DC Smith. Hello, Josephine. Thank you. John. How are you? Karibu, I'm, welcome. I'm doing well, thank you, you. Good, fantastic. So maybe just tell us about yourself a little bit. Tell us um, where you're located. Anything you can tell us about yourself. I'm in the United States in North Carolina, and I like to uh, say that I'm 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 at the where the road ends at the sea, a little fishing village called Moorhead City in North Carolina, and we have a view of the ocean right outside the window here. It's wonderful. It's a calm place to write, which is why I came here. Oh wow, fantastic! That's good to know. So maybe you can just tell us what what was the inspiration behind the Apocalypse Game? But maybe before we even discuss that, maybe you can tell us what the Apocalypse Game is about. You can give us a brief. Uh, summary of what the book is about. Well, uh, it's it's a it's a book about how you know some, sometimes the worst of human nature and, and modern value systems and unbridled science might play into the beginnings of the biblical apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a thriller. It's kind of a dark and gritty th thriller with moments that are uplifting and even funny. But it's um it's a it's a, it's a story that'll grab your heart and and drag you forward right to the end. Okay. And what was the inspiration behind it? You know, my whole adult life, which has been a while, uh, I've been uh, interested in how science and human nature and government systems and economies might play into uh, an apocalypse, you know, as opposed to many of the traditional apocalyptic, apocalyptic books are more around viruses and zombies and also plagues and all sorts of things. Um, how might the world as we know it play into the start of the biblical plagues and the beasts? Okay. So this story starts out in New York City just a couple of years from now with a young man who's uh, terribly handicapped, terribly crippled at birth, but the most brilliant human ever as a result of some experimentation by the government. And he he really uh, has a terribly hard life with foster parents, but he he's determined to rise above it, to cure his body and get the girl. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that that leads to the start of the biblical apocalypse. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So the main uh, character is it? Uh, what will you call him? Is it? I've read a few of. I've read a brief. So it's Jonas. So maybe yeah. you can tell us Jonas. Is is he inspired by a real life character? Is he or? Uh, I suppose they're all inspired by people I've known, or maybe my own life in ways, you know. But Jonas Greatest is his name, and he is in a motorized wheelchair in in Harlem. And uh, he's a mixed race young man who's really had a hard time, uh, but he's just uh, incredibly brilliant, an atheist. So the protagonist is an atheist. And he has, a, you know, being brilliant, he has his, his logic and his reasoning for all of that. And a part of what we get to experience is how, how, um, how the world and, uh, and other forces, forces for the good influence him or try to influence him as dark forces try to influence him another way. Okay. It's so the what, I the, the God and the devil in the final final time, the tribulation time. Okay, okay. 
what what has really stood out to you as you were writing this book is there something that maybe you didn't know before that somehow hit you you hadn't realized yet is there something that you can say really stood out or that you learned in the process of researching the book and even writing it oh that's a really good question and the answer is yeah what surprises me my wife uh you know gets the we go for these long beach walks where i bounce ideas off of her and it's it's um what surprises me, the, the book's evolution is, in the big picture, it's, it's as I envisioned it. But in, in the, uh, the scenes and the evolution of the scenes and the characters, that always surprises me what the characters do. Because mm -hmm. they have their personality, they have their background, they have their agendas. And in the end, it, it surprises me what comes out of their mouth, where that leads them. And, and that's, that's been a really fun journey. Okay, maybe you can give us an example of Jonas, for instance, what, what stood out <laughs> when it comes sure. to Jonas, for instance. Uh -huh. When I first wrote, Jonas is, uh, he is, uh, he's, he's ha had abusive foster, he's raised by foster parents in Harlem, and he's uh, been abused by them. He's been mocked by other kids because of, he's so terribly crippled in his wheelchair. His left side doesn't function, his, his left side is withered. So only his right side works. Uh, and, he's, and he has to wear depends. Has, has urinary problems. Mm -hmm. So he just had a really tough life. And when I first wrote this, I think I've written this book 15 times over the last seven years. It's evolved a lot along with my writing. And um, it surprised me. At first, he was quite bitter. And in the end, I, I just realized he's his, his whole personality and his character, he's, he's actually a, an optimist. And you'll love him. I, I would challenge the reader, even though he's, on a, he's, a, he's an anti-hero. He is no mm -hmm. heroic. You could identify at the beginning. Uh, you will love him, and you'll empathize okay. with, him, even as he has to make some dark choices. Ultimately, mm -hmm. you know he's encouraged by he's haunted by a demon. So yeah, as he grows up, it's a voice that talks to him in the dark. He thinks it might be a subconscious, an alternate personality, uh, that tells him dark things about the world and tries to influence him towards uh, a dark path. While this girl he loves might be the last living saint, mm -hmm. even though she's. She's flawed, and for sure she's flawed. But but she's uh, she's totally unattainable for him. She's a piano prodigy in in, in Manhattan, and he he is just completely focused on her. Uh, and uh, so it's that tension between her possibly being the last living saint. She's she's definitely a, a good person, and this demon trying to push him on a on a dark path. Okay, so how many characters are we frequently interacting with in the book? There's Jonas, and how many other people? I think it's uh, probably eight main characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's Jonas, the the 80% of the book is first person, present tense. You are in Jonas's head, which is really fun. You know, the the various readers, test readers, and, I, and I, we just got a four-star review this week, four out of four stars from Online Book Club. And, um, you know, everybody talks about it, it's a struggle. You know, he's on a dark arc. He's an anti-hero on a dark arc. And yet you you can't not back him despite mm -hmm. that he does things that would otherwise be abhorrent to you uh, and uh, because his circumstance is so unique but so he's 80 percent of the book you're in his head and he's you know funny and pithy and clever uh, and sometimes uh, incredibly dark you know he's a, his whole fat his whole growing up he's uh, he, he loves fantasy stories and he loves the monsters in the fantasy stories because they're never weak they're never abused Mm -hmm. uh, like in Beauty and the Beast is one of his favorite stories, but he says the beast should have eaten those villagers, villagers for being so cruel to him because he's been so mm -hmm. abused. He has that outlook on life. 
And so ultimately he has fantasies about making beasts. You know, he, he's exploring uh, advanced genomic te technology so he can cure his body and become a normal or maybe even a handsome man and get, get the girl. And But this advanced genomic science he's pursuing with the help of an artificial intelligent friend. Kind of think of a, an Alexa or a Siri today, but 10 years from now and more advanced. And he comes up with a way, a tweak to, to change his artificial intelligent friend. Her name is Hella. It's a her to him. And uh, Hella, he changes her and she becomes vast, global and vast. And <laughs> same. And, and anxious to please her creator. And his, you know, he has a lot of dark, vengeful fantasies when the powerful come after him, and they do. And so she, she starts to uh, uh, implement uh, his fantasies, his dark, darkest fantasies. And that's, that's, uh, that's really what sparks, possibly sparks the biblical apocalypse from a perspective of the beasts and plagues. Okay. Is there, at the end of the book, does the reader have to imagine what happens next or do you reveal it all? Or do, is there, is there, do you leave us you know, some kind of suspense? Oh, I leave a lot of suspense because uh, book two uh, is available. I'll bring uh, launch book two uh, at the end of summer. It's already written as well. So I spent these seven years writing. I've written four the, the first four books. So I'm in this kind of final process of massaging each book and getting it just perfect. You know, every word. This book is 87,000 words. And, uh, you know, I found that every darn word has to be just right. You know. <laughs> yes, that's the burden of being a writer. <laughs> mm -hmm. It doesn't end. Every word has to be just the right word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And um, so maybe you can let us know. Who, who who are you targeting? Who is the target audience for this book? Who do you want to read the book? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I read a, uh, I, I used to tell elements of the story. I have five children and uh, mostly grown. And I used to tell elements of the story to them as they were growing up. It was a kind of a nightly ritual. But the story's evolved a lot. And ultimately, 10 years ago, I read this uh, Pew poll. Pew, Pew, in the United States, there's an aura polling organization, one of the biggest that does, you know, polls on all sorts of topics, politics and whatever else. Uh, they did one on the apocalypse. And it showed that 41% uh, of Americans believe the apocalypse has already started or soon will. And there were similar numbers in the entire Western world. And in the Muslim world, for example, even higher numbers. So I thought, well, I've always kind of wondered about that myself. You know, sometimes, you know, doesn't, doesn't the world seem a little crazy these days? You know, is, is it, in fact, a train heading for a cliff? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, that's the story I want to tell, is, is how, do all, how does today's science evolve and how do, how do the way our value systems are evolving today and, and the value system that Jonas embraces, a, a modern young man in New York City, how does all that play into possibly the start of the biblical apocalypse? I mean, it's kind of the topic was I, I never thought that God would would if 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 we have if you believe in the biblical apocalypse that he would launch all these plagues and beasts themselves probably he would just allow humanity to do it like the covid virus for example allow humanity to go and make some virus that never existed and and then uh, suffer the consequences of it so in this uh in this book series from a science perspective it's artificial intelligence and synthetic biology you know we have in the world today we have um, pigs that have never existed before that have human genes and they've done that to, you know, so that we can transplant hearts from pigs into humans, for example. They've made the organs in a, in a pig resemble human organs. But you have to think about that. Where, what does that mean? Because pigs are always known to be very intelligent, and now they have brains that are more human. 
what is the pig experiencing as we as we do this in Europe and the United States and China? And we've we've built bacteria from scratch where we've actually made the genome, you know, stitched atoms together and made the DNA and made living bacteria that are now evolving and procreating. What if it got out of the labs? What would that bacteria do in the world? You know, it's a it's a COVID type of question. How would how what would happen next? So this story is a lot about well, what happens when artificial intelligence becomes vast and powerful, and what happens when we start creating creatures that never existed before, life forms that never existed, and where could that take the world? That's what Jonas is kind of is key to uh, enabling and making happen. As he tries to fix the body, he just wants to fix his body. He wants safety in life, and he wants love, like most okay. of us. That's all he okay. wants. Is all right. So what kind of research have you had to do? What kind of people have you had to talk to? What kind of websites have you had to visit? What kinds of books have you had to read for you to put your book together? Oh, vast. You know, I, I think I'd mentioned I've, I've been a fan of this uh, subject my whole adult life. So call that 40 years just to round numbers. But I'm an electrical engineer and a physicist. So by, by training, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a scientist. And I have graduate degrees in economics, and I run companies. So I left I left the uh, industry in a, in a role running a company up in Washington D.C. in 2015 to come write this story full time. So I'm very conversant with these topics of science uh, and where science is today and how it might evolve, as well as uh, I have a lot of opinions about where the world is as well as we all do, I think today. So uh, it's really uh, combining all those sources, you know, 40 years of constant reading. Uh, and study uh, into this story. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a vast story. It's uh, it's it's uh, far-reaching. Okay. And uh, you've mentioned there about four books in this series. Maybe yeah. Is that first four? I'm uh, just massaging book two, which will come out at the end of the summer. Uh, it's called The King of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that will be number two. Uh, number three will probably be the end of the year, and that's the the battle for New England. Mm-hmm. And then, but they all were. What's sorry. that? Sorry. Oh, this the fourth and one. Then the uh, next year, okay. which is, it's called the Hellion Wars. All right. It's and they all war. borrow. Do they all borrow from the Apocalypse game, or are they all separate? Um, no, they're the Apocalypse level. game. They're all the okay. Apocalypse, uh, book one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this oh, is a. If you happen to know what the, the big outside of the Bible in the Western world, at least what the biggest selling book series of all time is, are you aware of that? What the biggest? The biggest selling book series of all time. The biggest selling book series of all time. Yes. Oh wow! I don't know. I'd say the Bible is the biggest is a lot is a one of the best selling books in the world. But series, I don't know. Well, series, you're I don't right. Know. Uh, but the the biggest fiction uh, book series in the whole world is uh, is uh, called the Left Behind series, and mm-hmm. it was written in the states. And the last book came out about ten years ago, and it's it, series has sold eighty million books. And what it talks, you know, it, it speaks to an audience that wants to know about well, what might the Christian apocalypse version look like. And so that's the same audience this this uh, book series is, t- but from a completely different approach. You know, really focused on how does how does instead of kind of putting it all on God to uh, cause all these troubles in the world, how does mankind and our own worst tendencies and unbridled science uh, play into that? 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and Just, how long? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I look around me today at, at where we're, you know, what we're doing in science, for example, and and uh, it's almost a, and it's impossible to. I'm not a fan of regulate government regulation, but on the other hand, you need some. And uh, you know, COVID is such a great example where where it uh, the consensus seems to be it's a man-made virus that's that's now loose in the world and evolving. What happens as we do that with a lot of other things? You know, other sorts of life forms, whether bacteria or viral or or even you know they've made puppies that glow in the dark. Okay, that's news. I didn't know that. How do you how do you manage that? And particularly when you have countries like China that do what they want to do. And there's no, you know, they're not a part of a Western rule of, you know, rule of law system. So it's, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's not a very uplifting topic because of course countries are going to do what they're going to do. And, and, and these new life forms are going to be unleashed on the world. Um, I mean, I, I predict that there sometime in the next 10 years, we'll see an Olympics where suddenly some athlete, uh, perhaps from someplace like China, suddenly drops 20% off a sprint record. And they'll analyze the genes and find cheetah genes woven into their muscle fiber, right? <laughs> but we're going to start to see these things because the technology is there. It's going to be interesting. But I kind of look at the, well, how does that play into if we believe it's um, the end of an age, you know, that mankind's turned their back on God and so God might let the tribulation happen. What, you know, how does all that play into that? That's really what the story of the apocalypse game is about. All right. You know, what can and come next? What could come next? Okay. Do you mention, now that you mentioned China, I thought about TikTok. Do you talk about uh, all these different platforms that are now available, social media platforms, and how they're playing into, you know, the end? I do, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the book series, government uh, is even bigger than it is today, more powerful, more in our lives. You know, it used to be that, um, you know, and, and in the book series, you know, government and social media are aligned which is certainly something we're seeing in the United States today. And, and um, big, you know, big government and big social media controlling the agenda. And so that plays into the entire book series, you know, okay. the, the, the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then maybe you've said you've been writing the book for how many years now? I, I just want to get a feel of how have you balanced your work schedule or your personal life with writing the book how what is the structure like what is the schedule looking like for you as you are writing i i started on the research for it and structural structuring it uh back in 2007 believe it or not but i was also running companies and very busy full-time full-time plus busy so um when i got the opportunity to um leave industry and do this full-time uh which was 2015 i moved here to you know where the road ends at the sea like i like to say and I've worked on it full time, which to me is six days a week, five or six keyboard hours a day. And largely now it's much, it goes much faster, but at first, you know, it's, it's an art to writing well, and it's an art to writing fiction well, as you know. And um, uh, so I have done, particularly of book one, I've done endless drafts as my writing improved. So I hope that you know, early reviews are fantastic. I hope uh, that remains the same. Okay. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add concerning the book regarding yourself? Anything else? I think we're coming well, to an end. Available on Amazon in paperback and hardback and, and ebook. Uh, and uh, I promise it will, it will not let you down. 
it will grab you and shake you and leave you. One of um, an author of a dozen books read it a couple months ago, and she wrote. And it's actually on the Amazon site, but she wrote, um, "This story will grab you by the guts, shake you, and leave you gasping for more." So, <laughs> okay, so I use that, and she said you can use that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, amazing. And by the way, now I, I, I remembered another thing I needed to ask you regarding um, surveillance or uh, how capitalism is playing into all of this and how, let's say, we have companies like Google and uh, Apple, how all these terms of conditions that readers don't usually read when they're, when they're clicking on all these different, when they're signing up to all these different platforms, does that is that something that you also talk about how users privacy is at risk and how we are not seeing that absolutely thank you for bringing that up uh what it is is uh you know jonas has been so abused he is truly the underdog besides you know besides being so incredibly brilliant and a little bit acid from the uh in personality from some of the uh tough life he's had he is just brilliant and he, what he really wants to do is turn the world upside down he wants to he wants to bring bring low the powerful and raise up the masses and he he you know the the wealth divide the vast wealth divide that we have today gets worse in this time frame which is a few years from now and uh this you know covid continues to circulate uh and causing more economic disruption there are famines and wars in europe and and uh, with china so what you could easily imagine a few years from now a war over taiwan and this war in europe uh, extending and the famines they're beginning to talk about now. So all that is in this book. And and what Jonas wants to do is, is raise up the poor people suffering, the refugees at the bottom, and bring down the powerful. And because okay. he feels so abused, he, he feels that every powerful person is an abuser, a predator. Mm -hmm. And he wants, to, he wants to sort those people out. And okay. his fantasies are pretty dark about how he sorts them out. So, uh, and then you have Hella, his artificial intelligent friend, uh, hearing those fantasies and, and reading his notes about, you know, how to bring the powerful down and she starts to implement them. Okay. And so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's fascinating, but that is exactly what, you know, this uh, economic, you know, capitalism and the, the huge wealth disparity. I mean, obviously I'm a fan of capitalism overall, but, but having these uh, enormous wealth disparities is destructive to the world. And that's, that's Jonas's view in the book. And he, he, he has a plan to fix it. Okay. He he, he, views, he views humanity because he is he has always you you know he's been treated so badly he views himself as an other because nobody treats him normally except this girl Sarah that he's interested in everybody else you know their eyes kind of slide over him because he he's so ugly and 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 warped in his wheelchair so he's always viewed himself as an other amongst humanity. And he kind of views humanity as a biological system. And he says, well, the only way to get a, a real change in a biological system is to exert pressure over a period of time, and then the system will evolve. So he, he plans to evolve humanity to a, to a better end in his mind. Okay. All right. Jonas, the anti-hero. We look forward to interacting with Jonas. You said we can find the books at Amazon and where else? Uh, Amazon and Ingram Spark. Okay. Amazon and Ingram Spark. All righty. Thank All right. you so much for being here with us, DC Smith. Um, thank you so much. And guys, go out and get the book and read it. It's bound to be very, very intriguing. And uh, we hope to see you again next time. Thank yeah. you so All much. Right. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Bye.